Okay. So I uh, want to thank everybody for, uh, for coming tonight uh, for the, uh, this, uh, this class. Uh, I think we have a lot to cover. Uh, it took me uh, a painful amount of time today whittling down the sources we have to be able to uh, uh, do something which hopefully we'll be able to manage within the, uh, you know, the 45 minutes, uh, 45, 50 minutes that, that, that we use. Um, and uh, we'll see how it, uh, how it goes. Hopefully it will, uh, it, it will work though. Okay, so uh, the discussion is, as the, uh, uh, as the, uh, the title uh, indicated, uh, and that is whether or not the acceptability of listening to Megillah reading by Zoom. Now, there's actually one person who thought from the title that we're actually reading the Megillah tonight. They lost track of the calendar. <laughs> and they said, is it Purim already? I said, no, 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 we got another two weeks. We're good. It's, it's about Purim, not and we're actually at Purim. But okay, so the question is to go ahead and do, and, 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 and do so given the circumstances. Last year, uh, if you remember, so there were piske uh, halacha, there were halachic rulings which were given to allow the use of reading by Zoom, listening to the reading by Zoom for those people who were in isolation and in quarantine, those people who were worried about uh, potentially uh, contracting uh, the virus. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I hoped last year that it would be just a one-time thing and we'd be done with it uh, by the time Pormann rolls around this year. Uh, but alas, that was not in the cards. So it's something which is, uh, which is uh, uh, you know, on the agenda this year, once again. And this year, the advantage we have is... I thought things didn't close down last year till after Purim. Closed down between Purim and Pesach. Uh, there, there are places which were, I, I, I have screenshots. Uh, people are already last year listening to McGill on Zoom. So it depends where you lived. In Chicago, we, we, we didn't. Uh, most of us didn't. Uh, there was a place which had a Zoom uh, Megillah reading here in Chicago also. Um, but uh, be that as it may, so now that uh, it's, uh, we can already plan, so the question is, is this year the same as last year? And uh, just in general, what's going to be the, uh, the psak as far as this? What's going to be the halacha? So we have to see some of the, uh, the issues, uh, and we'll see you know, how much exactly we're going to get to. So this is not a new Shiloh. Using technology to listen to to fulfill a mitzvah is something which, um, from the advent of technology, uh, has been a question whether it's usable or not. In one of the earlier sources, going back to uh, let's say the beginning of the 20th century, is the Minchas Elazar. That's uh, you know the name of one of the uh, the poskim from Munkach. It happens to be for those uh, familiar with it. But he says as follows: He says, We're starting right over here. He says, As far as shofar blowing, this is where he begins the question. If you hear the shofar by telephone, are you yotze? Now, before you jump on me, how you have your telephone on on Shabbos or Yontif, don't ask me that question. That's irrelevant to what's going on. Let's just assume that you left your phone off the hook, the ringy dingy dingy or whatever she used to say. So you left the phone off the hook, and now you want to go ahead and you're going to uh, to listen. So he says, ze pashut. So in the Minchas Elazar's analysis over here, he says, ze pashut, He says, it's clear to me that listening to shofar blowing on the phone, you're not yotzei. It's no different than what the Mishnah in the Gemara discusses, were you to blow your shofar into a pit or into a cistern, we'll call it. Those in Omdim Bachutz, as far as those people who are standing outside of the uh, of the pit, that where the halach is, im kol shofar shamo b'li kol havara klal yatsu, if they hear just the sound of the shofar without any mixture of echo in there, so then you fulfill the mitzvah. But on the other hand, im kol havara shamo im kol shofar lo yatsu. But if they hear the echo together with the shofar sound, so there's a mixture of those two sounds together, that already, that mixture means that you're not hearing the pure sound of the shofar, and then you're not yotze. That when you listen to the shofar sound coming through the telephone, so there's going to be a mixture, lokomo kol ish 
uh, and it's not going to sound like a person. It's not going to be the pure sound like when a person would be talking. He says, listening on the phone, again, I don't know what the technology was like back in the beginning of the 20th century. Maybe some of you remember, just kidding. And he says, but it is something which is, uh, the, the voice sounded clearly different than when you heard a person speaking live. So you could hear that this is, a, that the, it's a muffled sound or something like that. And he says, undoubtedly the sound of the shofar also is different if you're listening it to my phone than if you were listening to it live. And he says there's some sort of mixture. He uses the term echo over there. That's what a havara is. But he says there's some sort of foreign sound which gets mixed into the sound of the shofar when you're hearing it over the phone. And since you're not hearing the pure sound of the shofar, so that certainly would not work. But, he says, after additional analysis, again, part of what we have to cut out, he says, He says, now the question is, certainly shofar, you're not yotze. What about Megillah reading? If you hear Megillah reading over the phone, are you yotze or not? Is that the same thing as shofar blowing, or is it different? And says the Minchas Allah, he says, from all of the different perspectives and angles which the person who, who sent the question to him presented, I didn't find any reason whatsoever that it should be Aser. Because the truth is, He says, there's nothing wrong with there being a mixture of sounds in the that mixed together with the voice of the reader as you're listening to the Megillah. In other words, I, I, I'm confused. What, what's it, let, let me finish my sentence. Maybe we'll get it. So there's 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 uh, the, the halacha by the shofar is that clearly you can't have any mixture of any other sounds which are in there, and therefore if there's even like the slightest echo which you're hearing together with the shofar blowing, that's going to be problematic. Those who are familiar in Skoki Yeshiva, where there's the dome, so they blow the shofar all the way to the fr- by the front by the aron because of the fear that the sound of the shofar would echo off of the dome back down, and you'd have this mixture of sounds. So, as far as mixture of sounds for shofar is concerned, that's for sure problematic. But he says by Megillah reading, there's no source whatsoever that says if you're hearing the echo of the shofar, meaning a mixture of the actual voice together with the voice echoing off of walls or pits or domes or anything like that, there's nothing which would say that that disqualifies the sound of the Megillah reading which you hear. And therefore, Kiyos or anything similar, Vizet Pasha, he says, it's clear to him that you would be Yotze. Okay, so, yes, no. So um, uh, we've, we've all heard dozens of Piske Halacha that I thought was almost universally agreed on that you can't even hear the show for th- hear the Megillah through a microphone. So this would seem to be saying that somehow the telephone is less problematic than a microphone. And we're, that doesn't we're, make we're, a lot of sense. This, we're, uh, we're, go- we're going to all these sources now. That's, that's, what I'm, that's what's coming up on these two pages. So we're starting sort of chronologically before all the Piske Halachas, which we've heard uh, from the past 20 years, let's say. So there was stuff which was uh, discussed uh, 120 years ago, so we're just making our way through the uh, through the sources, so that we'll be familiar with what's uh, the the different opinions which are out there. Eventually, to swing around to 21st century, where we now want to know about Zoom. So we're just trying to go uh, systematically through the uh, through the sources. Okay, now the next source we're going to see. So so far we have one on the side of saying that I don't see any reason why you should not be able to be Yotze if you hear it by phone. And therefore, uh, why not? Uh, there's, there's no reason to say no. Next source we have is, it's Chuvas Mincha Shlomo. This is of Shomo Zaman Arbach. Shomo Zaman Arbach, as we're going to see, he has somewhat of a unique perspective on this, not in terms of his halachic analysis per se, but his unique perspective is he spent a lot of time researching the technology. The reason why he researched the technology of sound and speakers and hearing aids and things of that sort was because his mother needed a hearing aid 
So as a fulfillment of Kibbutz Ava'im, he decided he was going to do all the research he could to figure out how hearing aids work and when it is going to be a problem. Is it a problem on Shabbos? It's not a problem on Shabbos. Can she listen to Megillah with a hearing aid in? Can she not? And he took it, you know, very much. He did, he did a significant amount of research, not only halachically, but technologically to find out what was going on. So in this tshuva, which everybody references, so the part with much of what we are skipping, we're not, we're not seeing a lot of it, but the first part of the tshuva, the first page or so of the tshuva, he explains the technology. He says, this is how microphones work. This is how speakers work. This is how telephones work. And he, he, he explains all of that stuff. Somebody wants to read it. You could go ahead and do that research on your own. So that's why over here at this point where we jump in, he says, with all of the descriptions, which I've given about how technology works, telephone. Oh, Ramko, if somebody listens to either shofar blowing or, or Megillah reading, whether it's by telephone or whether it is, I'm going to use the term speaker system for Koram, regardless of what you are, which one it is, lo The listener does not fulfill his obligation at all. He's not wavering about this at all. Mishum, he says. He says the only way to fulfill the mitzvah is when the sound of the shofar travels straight from the breath of the person blowing the shofar out of the shofar, moves waves in the air, the yotzerbogali kol, so you have sound waves. When those sound waves that come out of the shofar and hit your ear, that's considered to be listening to the sound of the shofar. So you need that direct uh, uh, movement of the sound waves, the air and the sound waves to your ear. But I don't know how to pronounce it in Hebrew, but you see the word membrane in there. But I'm just going to call that speaker for simplicity. But it says, if all you're hearing is the sound which is coming out of a speaker, it's no longer the breath or it's no longer the sound waves which were made by the person who blew the shofar. Even though the sound waves which are coming out of the speaker replicate the exact sound of the shofar, which was originally made when the fellow blew the shofar, is it live or is it memorex? So even though it sounds exactly the same, it sounds exactly the same as shofar. This is different than the Minchas Elazar. Minchas Elazar assumed the sound is different. Kamal Zaman says, even if the sound is exactly the same, in a double-blind uh, study, you couldn't tell the difference between the actual live shofar blowing and the one coming out of the speaker. He says, the bottom line is, you're not hearing the sound of the shofar. You're hearing the sound coming out of a speaker. And there's a disconnect between the original sound, which came out of the shofar, and the sound which is hitting your ear. And since that is not the same sound anymore, technologically, he says, it's clear that you're not Yotze. That's not called hearing the sound of the shofar. It's a replica of the shofar, but it's not the actual shofar. And then he says, as far as using a microphone, and now this is going to be relevant as far as like Megillah reading, he goes on. Again, we're skipping some stuff along the way. He says, He says, and he, he's addressing something which he will uh, point, it will say explicitly later, but he says what happens is between, if you just imagine you have a microphone on one end, you have a speaker on the other end, and you have your electrical wire connecting them. So he says that the sound of the voice which went through the microphone, or the sound of the shofar which went through the microphone, what it makes is it makes an electrical current which is running through the wire. But the sound of the voice, the sound of the shofar, or the sound of the reader, so that doesn't exist anymore. It went into the microphone. It became an electrical current. It runs through the wire as an electrical current. And then it doesn't exist anymore. It's over. It's it's no longer existent. Even though one moment it was there, then it disappears. Then when it comes out the speaker end, it sounds like it's the exact same sound. 
he's addressing the, 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 the impression that some people have, the, the incorrect impression, but some people thought that what happens with a microphone in a speaker is that the wire actually takes the sound waves and just moves them from one place to another. So Shomel Zaman is addressing that the wires don't move sound waves. What the wires do is they move electrical currents and then in the speaker end of it, it then gets transformed from the electrical current back into a sound, but that's not the original sound because in between the original sound and what comes out of the speaker, all you had was electrical current. You didn't have sound existing at that time. And that's why he says, being that in the interim between the microphone and the speaker, so the sound wave disappeared. It was non-existent. He says the sound that you hear coming out is the movement of the speaker itself, the membrane of the speaker itself, which is happening as a result of the electrical current. It's the electrical current which causes on the speaker end of it for it to vibrate and make those sounds. And it's no longer the sound of the shofar. It's not the energy of the shofar which is creating that sound which you hear coming out of the speaker. Exactly the identical situation of the telephone. It's just a shorter wire. Right, right, yeah, right. So Mistaber, thank you. Mistaber, the Eze Chashev Klal Kol Shofar, he says it's it's very logical. It seems evident that if you know the technology, you're not hearing the sound of the shofar at all. What you're hearing is the speaker replicating that sound, but it is not at all the original sound. And therefore, he says this is very bold of him. He says, He says, I am very surprised at some great rabbis that they allowed to listen to the Megillah over a speaker system. He says, He says, I don't understand why they didn't pay attention to the technology. What they're hearing is the sound of the speaker taking the electrical current and transforming that into new sound waves. That's not the, the, the voice, it's not the sound of the original reader of the Megillah. There's this disconnect between the two of them, and it's essentially a new sound replicating the original one, but it's not the same at all. It's not the same song. It's not the same sound. And therefore, Rav Shomel Zalman is adamant that you are not Yotze. And he says, anybody who disagrees with him clearly doesn't understand the technology. That's how stark he was. That's how strong he was in this uh, position. He didn't see any room for disagreement whatsoever. He was very, uh, very uh, certain from his research, that you cannot be Yotze, being that it gets transformed into the electrical current in between the microphone and the speaker, and therefore, there's no way you could be Yotze. He acknowledges, though, one second, Safi, he acknowledges, though, he says, because he's a, a, an, an honest person, he says, he says, after I already printed this, he published it in a journal or something, so he says, I had the opportunity to speak with the Chazanish about this exact point. Amrli, and he told me, then the Chazanish's opinion that Rav Shomel Zalman's analysis is not so simple. Who's to say necessarily that the fact that it became electrical current in between the microphone and the speaker, who says that this that disqualifies it? It is possible. There we go. Maybe since the sound ultimately, which comes out of the speaker, didn't come from nothing. It was replicated. It's a replication of the original voice. So the sound started with an actual person's voice. And being that, the sound which comes out, if you think of a microphone with speakers in the shoal, so there's not a lag time in between the reader reading the Megillah and everybody else hearing it over the speaker. It's happening, uh, as far as perception is concerned, it's happening instantaneously. Efshar, so Chazanish said, maybe, maybe that meets the halacha criteria for hearing the reader. From the reader of the Megillah or for the person blowing the shofar. But Chazanish says, I'm not so certain that you should be so confident that it absolutely does not work. Maybe halachically that constitutes hearing. 
it started with everybody's hearing this similar sound of the voice. It's happening instantaneously. The fact that it became electrical current and then comes out on the other end uh, of the speaker, eh, maybe that's not such a big deal. That was the Chazunish's hesitation, that he wasn't as confident that it doesn't work. It says, in my opinion, and it probably told the Chazanish himself, he said, that sounds like a big chiddish as far as I'm concerned. And I don't really understand, you know, why he would say that. But he's acknowledging that the Chazanish was not as stark against it as he was. Yes, yeah, Really? Wait, one, one second, Eitan. Sach, did you want to? You're done. Okay, yeah, Eitan. So I'm surprised that he didn't leave any allowance for um, Cholim or Shasad Chak or Horaz Shah or anything like that. He just made a, a statement, a blanket statement, and it, it's, it doesn't seem to cover any other extenuating circumstances. Yeah, because he holds it absolutely doesn't work. If it, does, if it doesn't work at all, it doesn't work. So uh, you, 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 there, there, there's only going to be room for allowances uh, in the event that you could possibly justify it. But if it's unjustified, then, uh, you know, uh, there's no place to go. It, 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 as far as he's concerned, uh, which, which, which we will see, as far as Shomazamad is concerned, there's no difference between listening to it over a microphone and a speaker and just taking an 8-track tape <laughs> and putting that in your 8-track player and playing the Megillah reading. He doesn't, the see, he doesn't see any difference between the two. Well, he's saying he's saying the Chaz, the Chazanish is 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 making a a distinction a, a a novel distinction saying that if it's instantaneous then we're then it's 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 better, right? It's it's like you know one A and one B. Okay, so so this is better. But even the Chazanish is not really. I mean, even I, I, you know there is delay. You know whether we notice the delay, there is delay. Right. So if it's if it's not noticeable, it probably wouldn't register halachically. Mm, analog versus digital, too. So we're not we're not up to that yet. So hold off on, uh, on so, that. So, so if, if you're saying that if it's if you're not listening to it live, it doesn't count as literally listening to it. So then, can we listen to music during Sphera? if it's recorded? <laughs> um, so, so the, the, the answer to that is going to be no, because it doesn't have to be live. It has to be. The, the enjoyment that you have from the music. So even if it's recorded, then you still have the same problem of you're enjoying it. Takes away from the Avelis. Uh, over here, where there's a requirement to hear, so hearing is going to be, according to, the, according to the, uh, Shomo Zaman, you have to hear directly from the person who's reading and that uh, you know, having it recorded or uh, potentially uh, you know, uh, uh, it, it'd be uh, going through an electrical current in the middle, so that takes away from hearing it from the reader. There has to be that connection between the voice of the reader and the ear of the listener. And you can't break that circuit, if we borrow that, uh, that concept. Okay, so now, so far we have one-on-one, -on -one, we're going to call it. Uh, the Minchas Elazar said that it's okay. Shomo Zaman said, absolutely, it's not okay. So now we go to uh, Rav Moshe. Rav Moshe addressed this thing also, uh, addressed this issue in a, in a couple of different tshuvas. But here he says as follows. He says he's addressing the person who wrote the, uh, the question to him. He says, Aval, microphone. He says that which you, the questioner, the one who wrote to Rav Moshe, take it as a, uh, as a davar pashat, as a premise, uh, that you're not Yotze if you hear the Megillah read over by microphone. Because you're assuming, like Rav Shomel Zalman, that you're hearing the sound from a speaker, a speaker system, rather than a person. In order to be Yotze, you have to, if you're a listener, you have to hear it read by somebody who shares an obligation in the mitzvah. And if you're hearing a recording, so then you're not hearing it from somebody who is sharing the obligation, you're hearing it from some electronic device. So that's what the person uh, assumed. And the reason why the person who posed the question assumed this was because the experts say, microphone, they're experts in the technology of microphones. This is back in the early 60s. Because the microphone to the speaker system doesn't, re doesn't carry sound waves of the voice, 
it just goes ahead and makes an echo or a replica of that of that sound. So that is the premise. Says Ravosha, Hirine He says, you know what? I'm uncertain. I don't know if you're right about that. And even if we were to accept the uh, what the experts say, you're not hearing the sound of the actual reader. You're hearing a replica of his voice. He says, nonetheless, I'm still not certain that it's a problem. So, somewhat similar to the Chazunish. The reason why it's not so simple, says Ramosha, is the speaker system doesn't produce sound unless you speak into the microphone. It's not making its own noise. It only makes sound. You only hear something on the speaker if somebody talks into it. But perhaps, so maybe that actually does constitute hearing the voice because it's only when you speak into the microphone that any sound is going to come out the speaker end of it. And what comes out of the other end of it is an exact replica of his, 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 his sound. And then he tries to finagle it, trying to explain why this is going to be okay um, with the technology and the definition of hearing. Too much for us to get into now. Now he says, now this is where Moshe gets rabbinic on us. First, he says that maybe this actually does constitute hearing. I'm not so kind. Con- He's not like of Shomo Zaman who said, absolutely not. He said, maybe it does work. Maybe like the Chazanish. He didn't say the Chazanish, but he says, maybe it does work. And this constitutes hearing it because everything is triggered by the sound of an actual human voice. So since the whole process begins and is triggered by the sound of an actual human voice, so maybe that works. And therefore, and therefore he says it's possible that from a technical halachic perspective, there's no reason to protest against those who would listen to the Megillah read over the telephone or over a speaker system. The Kilko, the Kilko Mitzvah Zacheros, he says he's not worried about uh, that allowing this may lead to other Averas, like people turning on microphones on Shabbos or lifting up their telephone receiver on Shabbos. Because anyways, everybody knows you're not allowed to use a, a, a microphone or a telephone on Shabbos. And as far as mitzvahs, which uh, mitzvahs deeper shabachol, and as far as speaking mitzvahs during the week are concerned, it says that whatever else you're going to do during the week, if it's good enough for Megillah, so why wouldn't it be good enough, let's say, for Kriya Torah during the week or something like that? So maybe you can listen to Kriya Torah over the same microphone system, over the same telephone. So he says, this Rav Moshe says, is purely halachic. If halacha existed in a vacuum, so he says, I could hear that if somebody wants to adopt a lenient position as far as this, you would not be, it would be inappropriate to protest somebody adopting a lenient view. But, here, this is where the, the, the real rabbinic part. He says, He says, however, since it's not clear, I'm not certain that it's allowed. I could just hear that it may be allowed, but I'm not certain that it's allowed. In what you're suggesting is extremely innovative as far as halacha is concerned. Because up until this point in the 1960s, the only way to be Yotzi Megillah reading was to be together with the person who's doing the reading. And you heard it from his voice into your eardrum. And it was just a straight process of the sound traveling from mouth to ear. So this is a new thing. He says, for that reason alone, we should protest adopting this practice using the telephone for uh, Megillah reading or something. He says, because once you go ahead and you start uh, uh, being lenient over here, people are going to start, start looking, they're going to start searching for all sorts of other ways to cut corners and to try and skim and to try and see what you don't actually have to do. Shalohutim, again, this is in the early 60s. He says, Shalohutim bazeh b'medinos elu. Because the population, the American uh, population, they seem to be driven to go ahead in that direction 
towards these new innovations which involve cutting corners. And if we start on this, uh, this journey where we're going to start uh, doing these, uh, these new innovative things, so then who knows where that's going to lead. And that, Rav Moshe said, is the reason that it should not be allowed. So in theory, he could hear potentially somebody adopting a lenient position. But in this chuva, Rav Moshe says, he doesn't think that it's, a, it's a, a, as far as a, um, what's the word I'm looking, as far as a, um, a policy, he doesn't see this as a good policy because this is a slippery slope he's worried about that he doesn't know where it's going to lead. And certainly there's no way Rav Moshe could have imagined what, what, what it would lead to. But he was afraid, as far as a public policy decision is concerned, that it's a very dangerous step to take. Now, so in theory, he holds that it could work. In practicality, he is less confident, but he writes a subsequent tshuva related to this idea. Not, actually, not related. He talks about Havdalah, and he goes back, he references uh, the tshuva, which we just read in his analysis of Havdalah. And he says... As far as listening to Havdalah being said by somebody over telephone, for a woman who's in the hospital and she's not going to be able to make Havdalah herself. So he says, If there's nobody to make Havdalah for her where she is, and this is going to be significant now in our circumstance, because they're not letting people into hospitals. In years past, somebody's in the hospital, so you make arrangements. Somebody goes to the hospital and reads the, uh, the Megillah. Uh, I imagine most people who read uh, the Megillah regularly have probably read at least a couple of times in a hospital or gone to made a, made a house call and read for somebody because they allowed it, and you go in there and you read it. But he says, in the event that a woman's in a, somebody's in a circumstance where they're in the hospital and there's nobody to make Avdallah, vada yeshali shmuala telephone. And certainly, you should hear on the telephone. Makes more sense to say that she will be Yotze listening to Havdalah by telephone. Like the Tshuva which we read on the previous page. So you see that Rav Moshe is adopting that perspective, Gabi Kriyas and Megillah, that really he thinks that technically it should work. And therefore, this woman who's stuck uh, without being able to hear Havdalah, so she could go ahead. The best thing for her is listen to Havdalah over the phone. So seemingly Rav Moshe is going to say the same thing. If somebody's in a circumstance where they're in quarantine, they're in isolation, and it's not possible to get somebody there to read for them. So then without the B'makum uh, Deles Breira, when there's no alternative, so seemingly he would say you should listen over the phone, even to the Megillah. He would say the same thing because he's using his Megillah tshuva to justify the Havdalah ruling. So clearly he holds that they're the same. And that means that in a shas hadchah, in a challenging circumstance, so you would be able to go ahead and adopt, the Rosha says you could adopt that lenient position. So, so far we have now two saying it's okay, one saying it's not okay. The Minchas Elaza and Rav Moshe are able to justify it. Rav Shomel Zalman is against it. Now, next source we have is the Echavadas. Um, Somebody tell me quickly, do I need to read what's happening in the chat or, or it's not for me? Not for me. Okay. Not for you. Okay, great. Then I'm going to ignore it. Thank you. We're so, talking about you. Okay, that's fine. That, that, I could, <laughs> that I could read about later. I just <laughs> if I have to read it now. So here, uh, Ravavadya uh, talks about this issue in two different places in his Yechavadas Chuvas. So here he begins with, uh, we're jumping in the middle, but he begins with somebody else's uh, analysis, which I think is going to be important. He says, Okay, I don't know who that is, but somebody significant because of is quoting him. He draws a distinction between hearing somebody say a bracha I'm pretty sure Taklicha gramophone, we call that a record player, the old vinyl with a needle and all of that. Some of them talk about the needle. So if you hear somebody say a bracha on a, uh, off of a record player, you would not answer amen. Why? You're hearing the bracha. So he explains, because the strength or the sound of the person's voice who originally made the bracha is over. It doesn't exist anymore. Shahu Bar in the person was a who was originally obligated in the mitzvah, but Vakola Yotzeminataklit, 
the sound which is emerging from the record player, it's just a replica of that original sound. This Maisakov Ba'alma is literally means it's like a monkey's behavior. So you could have a monkey turn on lights or whatever. You could, you could train a monkey to do all sorts of things, but it still doesn't make any human. So therefore, essentially what he's saying is that if you hear it off of a record player, what you're hearing is not coming from a human. And if you're going to use the principle of Shomea Ka'ona, that listening is as if you're reading it yourself, you have to hear it from a bar chiyuva, you have to hear it from somebody who's obligated, and the record player is not obligated. And if you want to get creative, Chazal uh, uh, don't make puns. Uh, sorry for uh, Sue and, uh, and Bob over there. But what Chazal will do is that we, they have a phrase, they'll draw a phrase, and that from Bab which is, that we don't pay any attention to a Basco. Essentially, what we're saying is that coming off of a record player, it's equivalent to a Basco, not coming from a person, and you can't be Yotze. So that is on the one hand. But this Rav Toledano maintains that that's fundamentally different than if you hear something live, but it's, you're hearing it via the radio or over the telephone. Why? Rav Toledano holds you would answer Amen in that case. The fact that somebody's in a radio studio in your, in your house, that's irrelevant. The distance between you is not essential. And not only that, but in the event that the person making the bracha has a mind to be you. And you have in mind to be Yotze with that bracha. So if Toledano says, So if Toledano says that you would be able to be Yotze. So that is what Ravavadya quotes from Toledano, but Ravavadya himself says, I want you to hear that distinction between a recording. The reason why recording is no good is because it's not what you're listening to now is not coming from a person as opposed to a, a hearing a live feed, let's just call it, a live feed, you do have a real person on the other end where the sound is beginning from. So as long as it's beginning with an actual live, living, breathing person, and it's being picked up by a live, living, breathing person, so you have enough of a connection between those two people, Rev Toledano says that that's okay. But Revavadya says, based on what I explained to you in terms of the technology, also explains the technology. He is adapting Rav Shomel Zaman's position. He says, you're not going to be Yotze with this reading. Because you don't have that direct connection between the reader and the listener. Ella, because what's in, what's interrupting? You have that speaker system where you have the electrical current which exists over there between the or the radio waves which go from the radio station to your radio in your in your house. And being that the sound did not exist from the transmitter to the receiver, so he's of the opinion like of Shomel Zalman, it just collects, it captures the sound sends it over radio waves, sends it over as an electrical signal, and therefore he says that you are not going to be Yotze. And yeah. that's his position. So now we got a two-on-two going over here. Yeah. We've got uh, the Mincha Salaza and Rav Moshe on one hand. You've got Rav Shomel Zaman and Rav Vajah on the other hand. You've got a straight-up two-on-two. Yeah, you might be interested in knowing that Rabbi Zev Cohen uh, passed halfway in between on brachas over Zoom. He said that uh, if you hear a bracha over Zoom, um, you can't be Yotze from such a bracha, but you're chayuf to answer Amen. Right, okay, good. That's what he said. Okay, excellent. There, there, there are those who say that. Good. So hold on. Now he says, he was out of town the past few days, so I didn't get a chance to, uh, to discuss this with him. But now, over here, uh, Rav Avadya quotes from, this is the, this Rav Yosef Kohn, 
So this is, uh, he's a grandson of Tzvi Pesach Frank. So Tzvi Pesach Frank, one of the, uh, the uh, uh, sets of Svarim, which are put out by Tzvi Pesach Frank, is called Mikroi Kodesh. It's his halachic analysis of things related to Yom and Tovin. And this grandson went ahead and wrote uh, some footnotes on the bottom. So Vivadya quotes this footnote. And he adopts the position. And he says, he says that in the, the opinion of his grandfather, Frank is of the opinion that, and he refutes the opinion of those who say you cannot be Yodse listening to the Megillah by a speaker by telephone. Why? Because the sound, the, 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 the Rav position, Rav Vadya's position is, you're not hearing the sound of the person. You're hearing a new sound, which is replicated off the original sound. And therefore, they equated with listening to a record player. But, explains this Rav Kohn, he says, the truth is, however, listening to a microphone or listening to a speaker system or a telephone is not the same thing as a record player. Why? Even if we say that, like Rav Moshe, that you're not actually hearing the a human voice, you're hearing a replica of that. I'm going to underline this, in fact. He says, but... What happens is, is that the koach, I don't really have a good translation for koach, but the strength or the power or the energy that the person who's reading the Megillah set in motion, that never stops. It goes into the microphone, the wires take it automatically to the speaker, wherever the speaker is, it comes out the speaker and it's a seamless process from the reader's mouth till eventually comes out the speaker. Now you're right, it changes its form in between, but all of it is coming via the koach of the person who started the reading. Because the only time a sound comes out of the speaker is if somebody's reading into the microphone. And that proves that the whole process starts and emanates and is triggered by the reader's voice. And therefore, in the opinion of, of Frank, the nechshav kekolamamish. And that's considered to be his actual, the actual voice, which you are halachically, that's the voice of the person that you are hearing, since he triggered the whole process. And therefore, he's of the opinion that you are Yotze. Rav Vadya says uh, that, uh, uh, in his opinion, he didn't understand the technology either, that Rav Frank didn't understand the technology. And he goes ahead and he doubles down and he says, absolutely not, because what you're hearing is, as he says, what you're hearing coming out of the speaker is not coming from a person who's obligated to the mitzvah, and therefore he doubles down and says, you are not Yotze. But we have another person saying that you're Yotze. And then in his summary, he says that if the microphone is, and the microphone in the speaker system is on in the shul, those people who are close by the reader that they'd be able to hear his voice anyways, even if the microphone was not on, they're Yotza, even if ultimately they hear it from the uh, coming out of the speaker system, because they'd be able to hear anyways. For those people who are far enough away that they would not be able to hear without the speaker system, he says they are not Yotza. And we won't read that inside. Uh, for the sake of time, the Tzitz Eliezer, in his first tshuva on the matter, he also goes like Shomel Zaman saying that you're not Yotze. And then in this tshuva, that was in Chelek Dalit, he said you're Yotze. In Chelek Ches, in a subsequent volume, he backtracks from it. I appreciate his honesty about this, but he backtracks from it. And he says, he's not so clear that you should not be able to be Yotze. And he says, in fact, without going into his, uh, his analysis, again, for the sake of time, he says over here, He says, as far as you want to know my maskana, you want to know my final conclusion, oh, it, as follows. He says, certainly as a first line of defense, figure out some solution to be able to be Yotze Megillah reading without having to listen to it by a microphone in the speaker system or without having to listen to it from a telephone. 
Aval, however, in the event that somebody did listen to it over the telephone or something, you cannot come along at that point with a sharp knife and say that they did not fulfill their obligation. And the brachas which were said on behalf of all those who are listening on the phone to say that that's a brach levatala. And he says, and in circumstances where there is no alternative, i.e. corona, somebody's in the hospital or something, and they, they don't let anybody else in to read, so there is no option. You've got a huge hospital like, uh, like Hadassah or something, where you've got hundreds of patients in there, and it becomes almost unfeasible to have somebody go into each and every room and read the Megillah for them. I don't know where the Chabad Bachem are, but let's assume that it's something which is going to be difficult for them to go ahead and pull off. So he says, Azai Hamoral Kagon Dalahatir, Afilu Hatrila Shmoskriyas Vemso's clean microphone, Ein Mazchichin also. He says, if somebody issues a ruling, say that they can listen by microphone, by telephone over a speaker system in a circumstance where there's no alternative. So the Tzitz Eliezer says, Ein Mazchichin means that there's no reason to refute. There's no reason to say that the person is possibly wrong. It should be that way. And then he goes ahead and the, he, he also, he finds support. We don't have that over here, but he says after he wrote that, he found that Rav Moshe said a similar type of thing. So he feels happy that he's aligning himself with Rav Moshe, that Bishas Hadchak, that it's enough, that there's enough uh, grounds to say that you could be Yosei. There are enough opinions out there which say that you could be Yosei and therefore you're good to go. Yes? Okay. So Ad Khan, this is this is what you'll find. This is what I found so far, going through the chuvas and going through the uh, the articles which I was able to get my my hands on. What occurred to me was that, and we know this. Uh, in, I'll, I'll tell you about it in a second. But I think there may be. In, uh, I think that using the earlier chuvas, the chuvas which were written in the sixties and the seventies for Zoom reading, is uh, is a, a misapplication. It's a misapplication because we know whoever mentioned, I think Arnie, you mentioned that, because things no longer work analog, things work digitally. Meaning that when I'm speaking to you now over Zoom, what happens is, is my computer is capturing the picture and the sound of my voice. It's making it into a digital signal, zeros and ones, however that works, I don't know because I'm not a computer guy. And then it makes a file out of that the file gets sent out over the internet. It's actually encrypted. It's, it's likely encrypted on my end. It gets sent out over the internet. It somehow knows to go to your computer. Your computer, I think, downloads or captures, the, collects that file. Then it reads that file and then does something which looks and sounds as if I am speaking or I am talking directly to you without any delay whatsoever. So it's a seamless appearance but what's happening is, it's as opposed to a microphone and a speaker where, like we saw, uh, that the, the Rev. Tzipesach Frank holds and the, the Chazanish may hold and Rev. Moshe holds, that it all comes from the original koach of the person. His voice goes into the microphone through the wire, out the speaker on the other side. Here, the, everything which you're seeing and you're hearing is recorded in a file. The file is sent to your device. Your device down, let's just in those simple terminology, your device downloads that file and then plays the file. So that I see is a much bigger disconnect between the original telephone and the original uh, speaker system than what's happening, uh, what's happening nowadays. May I comment? Um, yes. The, uh, depending on how the digital sampling is done and the ability uh, for perception of our hearing and brain combinations, uh, there are many situations in where the quality of reproduction of sound in a digital sense can be significantly superior to the audio sense, especially if we're comparing computers today to uh, analog telephones of the early 60s. So it might take some re-examination um, at some point. Yeah, but then doesn't this doesn't this then qualify us back to the record? What the, I think what you're saying, Rabbi, is that 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 it's as if you're you're making a record of it and then we're playing the record. 
Correct. That's that's what I'm trying to say is that since it's, it becomes a file and then the file is sent over the internet and then the file is received by your device and then read by your device, that it, it's happening much faster than a rec than than recording was able to be played in the past. That's the beauty of it. But ultimately, self call self, it is the recording. Uh, it's no when it re when it reaches your device, it's no longer my koach. My voice isn't really what's connecting my device to your device. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm saying that clearly enough, but it, there's a recording of what's taking place. In, in a regular microphone in a speaker, the sound of the voice isn't recorded anywhere. You can't grab it somewhere and pull it out of the, uh, out of the system while it's still, uh, if it's still going to go ahead and uh, reach the, uh, the, uh, uh, the speaker. There's it's also a difference between streaming and recording. You're, you're making your recording now in parallel and sending it, but as we're participating now in real time, we're streaming as if we were on a phone call. And that's yeah, but really the, the, so, stream, so, the streaming still takes the signal, it still takes the voice and changes it into a file. So what, what, what happens is one of the things on the, on the Young Israel Rabbi chat, so as we were talking about this a little bit, so somebody reminded me of what happened. If those of you who were with us on Tishabov, Somebody said that uh, somebody was arguing that since it's all it's happening within real time and you're hearing me within real time, so that should work uh, because it's all you know there, there, there's no delay. So somebody said that it, that's not true because if you if you ask a group, however many people are here, three, six, eight, uh, you know the, the 25 people who are here, if we were to try and sing row 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 your boat at the same time, it doesn't work. We tried it on Tisha B'Av. We tried to sing Kelitzion. We tried to sing two of the kinos. And anybody who was on at that time remembers that we were not synchronized in any way, shape, or form. Which means that depending on the strength of your signal, depending on all sorts of factors, so it's not happening. It, it seems as if it's happening in real time, but it's not really happening in real time. Another experiment which we did earlier in the week is I took my phone and I put it right next to the camera on my laptop. And I had both of them on the same Zoom. And you, as I wave my hand back and forth, it's appearing, it, 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 there's a lag in between the two devices. So they're not, it, whatever we see appears to us as if it's happening in real time, but it's not actually happening within real time because there's a certain amount of time that it takes for this signal. But the bottom line is, as Ellen said, is that when things are transmitted digitally, by definition, that means that there's a recording of it somewhere. It's a file, which then has to get sent over. And once it's a, a file, I see that as being fundamentally different than the original telephones and microphone and speaker system that they were talking about back in the 60s, where it didn't have a file which is captured somewhere, recorded somewhere, and then sent somewhere else. A digital transmission doesn't have to have a file. It can be a stream of uh, in, in real time that that uh, once it's gone, it's gone. It can be done multiple ways with multiple sampling approaches and Fourier transforms and other very complicated math. Um, so uh, to my uh, engineering perspective, it's not that simple anymore. I'm not arguing or trying to change your perspective on the halacha, just offering a perspective. Anything that we are likely to be participating in is in fact packetized um, and uh, may go by different routes for subsequent packets. So agreed. That, that's by far the predominant mode. Yeah, that, I agree with you, Al. Right. So, so th that being the case, so uh, so uh, so far again with all the people that I've discussed it with uh, so far, uh, so nobody's been able to uh, to uh, you know to say to the contrary. To say that that's not what's going on, that, that wouldn't uh, it wouldn't be an issue. Uh, I spoke with uh, you know a couple of uh, you know what I consider to be very big Talmudic Chachamim uh, who are knowledgeable in halacha this morning, and uh, by the end of the conversation, we were all just sort of silent with one another, not knowing what uh, what to say or how to uh, how to proceed. But uh, right now, currently, I'm going with that assumption: is that since the technology is dramatically different, so you cannot say the same thing. Besides which, we know that Zoom isn't always so reliable, anyways. You know, if you're, the internet could get clogged and then it slows down and then suddenly the guy, you know, 10 seconds worth of speaking suddenly comes out in two seconds. It runs very quickly or something like that. So I don't see it to be uh, so, uh, so uh, such a good option. I was thinking for a while earlier in the week 
that maybe if somebody has to, so they should listen to a landline rather than over Zoom or something like that. But uh, uh, somebody else told me that, uh, I don't know if all, but landlines predominantly are digital at some point. The question is just right. where does it get digitized? In your house, in some transferring uh, station, some, uh, some, some warehouse something or some uh, factory somewhere to get digitized somewhere. So there's not really going to be much in, uh, of an advantage over that. Now, the, the last thing that I just want to touch upon over here, which I think is important, is, and I, I saw this in the name of Ravasher Weiss. Somebody's uh, echoing, which is also one of these other uh, problems. Um, that what, what's happening is that, uh, that um, the, the, the potential kilkel, the potential downside of this is something which also, this is like where, where Moshe was, uh, was, uh, was discussing, but I think it's even more pronounced than what Rev Moshe's concern. And that is, is that uh, once the cat is out of the bag, that you could be Yotze listening to the Megillah reading by Zoom. So people aren't necessarily so sensitive to the different nuances of halacha between what's a shasad chak, a circumstance where there is no alternative, what's a circumstance where it'll be difficult, but if you really push yourself, you could get it done, what's just a little bit inconvenient, and what's going to be l'chatchila. And I think we know from last year that there were hundreds and hundreds of people who went ahead and were listening uh, to the Megillah reading over Zoom, where if for them, it was not a shasad chak. They weren't in a circumstance where it was, uh, there was absolutely no other alternative whatsoever. It became something which was a merit of convenience. And nobody, as far as we saw, not the not Rav Moshe or uh, even the Tzitz Eliezer said that you could use it as a matter of course, they limited it to the case of when it's a shasad chak. But I think in the circumstance in which we are in, there's a potential downside for that, which is that people will now say, listen, if, I, if, if, if last year I was able to be Yotze with Zoom, this year it's gonna be inconvenient to get a babysitter, it's hard, the man goes out and he listens to Megillah while his wife is watching the kids, and then he's gotta rush home after Megillah reading so that she can make the next Megillah reading. And it's just such a big pain. It'd be much easier if the family all sits together and they all listen to the Megillah reading together. It could be this beautiful family moment inconvenient for everybody, because why not? If it worked last year for some people, that must mean that it does work. And this is something which, if it's not a pressing situation, we didn't see anybody who said that you could be say this way, l'chatrila. Besides which, it may, may, may not work altogether, but I, I really don't see it as a, as a good option, number one, halakhically, because of the digital element of it. And then number two, as a matter of public policy, I think it's a very dangerous, we may have already crossed the line. We may be, uh, you know, be beyond that point already, but I think it becomes a very dangerous precedent to set because it just makes it too easy for people to decide that they don't need to go out and hear Megillah reading. And, uh, and that would not be, uh, I don't think that that would be, uh, that would be a good thing. Rabbi, so, yes. Yeah. Um, is, is there any um, any consideration for community rules? Does a community get to make a decision, or is this every show for themselves? Um, yes and no. Uh, in a in, in a in a unified community, um, they would be. They could go ahead and they could set up unified rules. Um, in communities which are not unified, then it will be every show for themselves or every rub for himself. We were not even sure anymore that, uh, that everybody in shul listens to the rub, but uh, you know, every, every rub will set policy in their shul. And then what will happen is, is that the people who don't like whatever that policy is, so uh, I, I imagine that'll be a quick search, Zoom Aguila reading in Chicagoland area, and who knows how many you know, hits you'll get on, on Google you know, for opportunities to be able to, uh, to, to do that. Well, so a, a solution to plan for next year is make sure you own your own Megillah because uh, from the institution called Eretz Chemda in Eretz Yisrael, so they had already last year, they had a fella read the Megillah. He would read like every two, three words, and then he pauses for you to go ahead and read from your Megillah, reading it correctly based on what he just did. So it takes a while, it takes like an hour to get through it because he reads slowly, then you read slowly, he reads slowly, then you read slowly, but that's much better because then you're doing all of the reading. Everybody says if you read, but you need a Kasher Megillah in order to be able to pull that off. You can't do that just from a Chumash or from a Tanakh, you need an actual, uh, an actual Megillah. 
So what we're going to try and do uh, with the help of uh, with the help of Eitan uh, and maybe others, depending on the uh, on the response, is we will be sending out a um, a uh, uh, like one of the sign up sheets that we have for Minyanim for different times of Megillah reading, uh, both Purim night and Purim day. And we will try and keep, for those people who are uncomfortable in the regular minion, which we'll have after Marath, so we will have small crowds of maybe 10, uh, maybe even, we could do even five if necessary to do so. Even if there's not a minion, it'd be better to hear it without a minion than to hear it over Zoom. And we'll have some, uh, the option, weather permitting, we'll have some options also to, for those who are willing to sit outside and listen to the Megillah. Uh, I could read the Megillah in 17 or 18 minutes, uh, depending on how much I had to drink. Just kidding. This should be before that. But it should, it should take me 17, 18 minutes to go ahead and read it. And as long as we get, I think, to about 30 degrees, so 17, 18 minutes outside should not be so, uh, should not be so good for Allah. You uh, put on your uh, your gotchkas or whatever, and you should be able to survive 17, 18 minutes in that weather. And uh, that will be the uh, perhaps the mysterious nafish in order to be able to fulfill the mitzvah. But uh, uh, short of being in a hospital, so I don't know, you know, uh, if we assume that you could be yotze digital with a digital uh, thing, digital reading, whether or not that, uh, you know, w- would work. So that's what we're going to try and do. So we're going to send out that, that, that sign-up sheet, see what kind of response we get. From that, we'll probably focus our efforts and see, you know, uh, uh, to, uh, to streamline it to the best of our ability, but to try and uh, uh, give everybody the opportunity to be able to hear the Megillah read from a Kasha Megillah in some sort of live setting than some sort of recording, telephone, Zoom, or anything of, the, of that sort. Thank you, Rabbi Schaffel. That's what I got for you tonight. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. And thanks right. for the Kodesh everybody. Yeah, have a good Chodesh. Thank you, Chodesh. Healthy, stay warm. Thank you. Thank you, Chodesh. I, I was going to tell you that uh, there was a shul here last year that uh, had a had a Zoom Megillah reading where the guy read slowly for people who had a Megillah at home also. That's what they announced. Oh, really? Yeah. 